Part 2. The Man of Simple Passions Chapter 11. Year 871 PXF Autumn The rooms of Talon Corvermain were much as she expected them. Well-appointed in a minimalist vein suited more for function than style or decoration, but still with enough elegance and pomp to be deemed appropriate to one of his name and station. The flat of four rooms took up the back corner on the third floor of the Sojourn's Rest Inn, arranged in an L-shape with the bedchamber on the short leg and the other three social rooms making up the longer one. Before entering through the window she had pried open, the darkly clad figure made an intricate set of delicate forms with her fingers, sparking a vivid purple arcane flash in her pupils. Within the rooms, multiple items and sigils ignited with their magical potential in her augmented sight. There was power to the wards and enchantments, but nothing someone of her skill and training couldn't handle and easily cover up after completing her task. While darkness was always an ally, she hadn't needed to rely on it. It was the night of the drowned moon, the autumnal celebration dedicated to the undrowned mistress, the goddess of mystery, exploration, and the foolhardy. Elsewhere in the Empire, especially near the Saradan Sea, the festival had a more nautical flair, as foolhardy exploration was the bread and butter of most sailors. Here in Arnador, it had a darker feel tied to the fogs that flooded the lowlands this time of year. The festival called upon the undrowned mistress's domain over mystery, intrigue, and unexpected demise. It was still early evening, and contrary to the deity's aspect, there was no mystery surrounding the rowdy crowd of revelers flooding the streets throughout the city, especially here in the trade district of Ellery Square and the surrounding trellis market. Citizens had donned costumes, both arcane and mundane, and the amount of benign magic the festival attendants were casting would cover any real spells she might need to utilize. Climbing to Talon's suite from the alley had been a breeze, and entering uninvited into the rooms before her was just as simple. The intruder knew she needn't worry about bumping into the room's inhabitant, as the lauded travels of Talon Corvermain were well known and documented. Currently, he was hundreds of leagues away, chasing a watery devil beast that was harrying the town of Perinshaw over on the coast. Still, she didn't tarry, as one never knew when someone might get a hankering for their home and teleport in unexpectedly. Her objective wasn't to steal anything, as it often was when breaking into people's abodes. Her goal was far more esoteric. She was here because she needed to get a feel for the man who was to be her adversary, and over the years she had found the best way to do so was to invade her quarry's most private places. The places they felt safe, where they could let their guard down and, most importantly, be confident they were alone. She quickly found what she was looking for, something personal yet not so loved that it would be routinely examined or handled. She crossed to a small curio mounted to the wall that displayed a handful of badges and medals that must have been from Talon's first assignment to the guard at Arnador Keep. Like most, she knew of the lord inheritor of House Corvermain's meteoric rise through the guard's ranks in his younger days. While these early accolades would be too sentimental to discard, they would not hold the emotional value of ones earned in later life. The curio was also in a perfect position, located in the corner of the L-shape of his rooms, to let her view everything that occurred within. The spell she cast was one of her most prized creations, effectively undetectable by magical means because its power lay not in enchantment, but in the single component it required. Selecting a dark bronze medallion not much larger than a gold coin, she laid it carefully on the top of a nearby bureau. 
She then withdrew a long hollow needle from her cloak and inserted it directly into her eye until it pierced the delicate veins at the back of her eyeball. Leaning over the medallion, needle extending out of her eye, she patiently waited until a single drop of her retina blood splashed onto the bronze metal. As the blood sank into the cracks and crevices of the medallion, she extracted the needle and cast minor healing incantation on her eye, careful not to completely heal the full extent of the damage, as it was part of the spell's requirement. Her crimson blood was easily visible on the medallion as she replaced it into the curio, but it would practically disappear by morning as it darkened. Work complete, she did not leave by the window she entered through. First listening at the entrance to ensure there was no activity beyond it, she confidently stepped out the door of Talon's room into the inn's upper hallway. Then, with a flick of her wrist, her black leathers and dirks sheathed at her ankles were concealed by the rotting petticoats of a macabre costume befitting the night of the drowned moon. With another quick motion, she released her hair from its binds, letting it cascade freely down her back as she descended to the main room of the sojourn's rest. After finding a chair at a small table nestled near the stairs and waving off any overzealous revelers seeking to woo her, she ordered a mead from a strapping young tavern lad. Before leaving, she wanted to be sure her efforts weren't for naught, and it would take a moment for her to silently invoke the ritual to activate the spell connecting her to her eye's blood in the room above. Concentration had never been an issue for her, and anyone watching would think her just another festival-goer swaying to the music of the bards playing on stage. The very astute might catch a bit of eye shine in her left eye, like that of a predator caught in the light when prowling the darkness, but on a night like tonight, most would likely think it just a bit of glamour. As expected, the spell worked perfectly, her patron's arcane gifts allowing her full view of Talon's rooms, and even the ability to maneuver her point of surveillance around them to some extent. Her mead arrived just as she severed the connection to the spell, and she almost got up to leave until the bards on stage announced the title of their last song before their break. Ballad of the Crimson Falcon She was familiar with the song, as bards all across the Zalian Empire sang their own or others' compositions, chronicling the exploits of Talon Vermain. However, she had no interest in the performance itself. Her goal was to hear the conversation after the song. In his home inn, people would potentially know him more personally, or even from before his time in the Arnador Guard, which could give some valuable insight. The song ended to a round of applause and, as expected, before the bards even fully left the stage, talk began amongst the tavern guests. Is he really that big? She heard from an overloud reveler in smeared skeletal face paint two tables over. He's a big lad for sure, always has been. But taller than a dire bear is probably a bit of a stretch, a more sober voice answered over his shoulder one table away. Strong, though, another wearing a skinned boar's head as a hood chimed in. And that glaive of his is a wicked thing. I served on the Crimson Sentinels with him, and a swing of that blade could probably cut a dire bear in half. A cacophony of agreements and disbelief muddied her ability to hear for a moment, until another voice cut through the din. Whatever happened to Councilwoman Darlis? Is she still locked up after Corvermain caught her with a hand in the treasury? A woman wearing a rotted noose around her neck asked from across the room. Nah, her family finally bribed her way out at least three years ago. I hear she looked a wreck after almost a decade in the dungeon, though. Lost all her teeth! A shout of, Serves her right! 
was met with raised flagons and goblets. Where is he now, then? slurred the drunkard with the smeared skeleton makeup. I heard Duke Isul has let him take a break from all that envoying he has been doing, acting as his personal messenger pigeon. He has assembled a new group under the banner of Falcon's Grasp and headed to the coast to kill another one of those devils he chases, the man wearing the boar's skin replied. Nods and grunts of agreement filled the room. Gonna make it an even dozen sent back to the Nine Hells by my count if he gets this one. Lifted glasses filled the air again. A well-dressed laborer in an immaculately woven silver tunic asked the room with little hope. Speaking of devils roaming about, did he ever find Mikal's boy? Mutters of, nah, and shame, and he still pays well for any word, though, and other condolences quieted the room for a moment. A large busted woman, deep in her cups, wearing hardly more than scraps of bandages as a costume, leaped to her chair. Finding it the most opportune time to make a spectacle, she announced, I betted him once, while shaking her prodigious bosom. A bard breaking every string on their lute mid-song would have brought a lesser reaction. The main room of the tavern went silent. The woman's friend, face hidden, tried to drag her down off the chair while at the same time trying to hide herself under the table. What, Talon not like the ladies? Well, he liked me, I tell ya! She reiterated, doubling down. The sober man, who had answered the drunkard in the skeletal face paint earlier, stood up, and in the stern voice all fathers seemed to be able to channel, Sir Corvermain, and you will address him as sir, does not bed anyone. Of all the half-truths and tall tales told of him, that one thing remains fact. The thief in the corner was surprised to hear the number of, Hear, hears! Got that right! And good on him, I says! from the locals to rebuff this now-obvious visitor to Arnador. She wondered if Talon had any idea of the amount of validation and support he had among his neighbors. As the stern gentleman sat back down and the busty woman was dragged out of the sojourn's rest by her friend, a reveler who hadn't spoken before playfully added, Now to the reason he never beds, that is still up for debate! The smear-faced skeleton jibed. All that noble blood gave him all of the stature, but none of the size. Extending his pinky and shaking it about, receiving some nods and general laughter. I would say the opposite, chimed in the soldier in the boar's head hat. I've seen him in the baths, and I wouldn't head to his bedchambers without at least two healing potions. Which was met with uproarious laughter. The thief had gotten the insight she needed. Sliding a gold coin into the rear pocket of the young tavern lad who had served her, she exited the sojourn's rest and blended into the celebration of the drowned moon.